Thoughts create emotions, and emotions shape action, or in action for that matter. We will learn how that plays into our money and more coming up next. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Have you ever had one of those days where something goes wrong first thing Monday morning, like the coffee spills, or instead of coffee, you accidentally make hot water? That's happened to me. And you ask yourself, what else can go wrong that day? And boom, life provides you an adventure for the rest of your day. You've been there, right? I know I have. There's no doubt that our doubts are extremely powerful and influence our daily lives and money. With today's guest, it took getting sick, which was a result of her burning herself out and being in the hospital to really shift her thoughts and life. From the outside looking in, it appeared that she was living the definition of success, but her thoughts were holding her back in so many ways. You will hear what she learned and how you can apply this to your life too. Let me tell you a little bit about Gigi Diaz, our guest for today. She is a mindset and social media branding coach and executive producer and host of the Chats with Gigi podcast and a serial entrepreneur with over 18 years of experience. She's the founder of Seizing Happy, a life coaching organization dedicated to nurturing the business and woman behind the business equally. Lista? Let's go meet Gigi. Bienvenida, Gigi, to the Herding Netto Matters podcast. I am thrilled to have you and really get to know you. It's been fun digging and researching and kind of stalking you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for sharing your very beautiful space with me. I'm excited to be able to have some conversations about money with you because dinero does matter. And I feel like in our cultures, we sometimes don't talk enough about money. And when we do, the conversations can get kind of awkward. So I love talking about money. Let's do it. And you know, I do too. Of course, we always start off here on the podcast in getting to know you and your money story. So take us back in time to when you were maybe a little girl or a teenager. What are some experiences or lessons that you have had around money that no kidding today has impacted you as an adult? Girl, all of them. (laughs) Think about it this way. I was born in Cuba. So the whole concept of money was this really confusing thing because we didn't have any. And then when we had it, it still couldn't buy the things we needed (laughs) because they just weren't even available. And by having it, I mean like when we could get our hands on like $2, which was at the time when I lived in Cuba, each dollar was valued at 27 pesos. Mm. So it was just like this mission, like money. I grew up 
understanding or believing that money was just this really complicated thing. It was so hard to come across money. And then when you had the money, it was like, you got to be so careful what you spend it on because it's just like all this stress. I grew up very stressed about money because we didn't have it at first. And then when we had a little bit of it, it was like, now you just have to be extra careful how you spend it or you have to save it. You have to save your money. And that impacted me for a really long time because when I opened my first business, I opened it because I had saved a lot of money. I probably could have put that money to work and made more money, but I didn't because I grew up with the concept of saving. And then I had to heal so many of those beliefs because saving money is not the answer to wealth. Because believing that money is hard to come by is the worst belief that you can practice because money is not hard to come by. And if you feel resistance as you hear me say those words, there's something there that you need to work on. And then understanding that money needs to be spent in order for it to reproduce. Money does not reproduce in a savings account. I think you could put like $5,000 in a savings account and get like seven cents back at the end of the year. (laughs) Money does not reproduce when you have it under your mattress, right? Like my grandfather used to have latas de cafe bustelo with money inside. Why was that money even there? What did it do? Did nothing there. I had to heal so much of that to be able to understand that my relationship with money affects my business. And it even affects your relationships and my relationships with other people and how they spend their money and the kind of people that you want to hang out with that you think you deserve to hang out with based on the kind of money you make. Like your money is not your worth. Money flows to you. If you just believe that it does, it will. And money needs to be put to work. Money is a tool. When you have a little bit of it, you got to make it work for you. You have to make it reproduce. And so I had to heal so many money mindsets that came from my childhood, having been born in Cuba and then growing up here, not wealthy (laughs) at all. And being able to change my money mindset to build wealth and to be able to now feel comfortable enough, not just in my own wealth, but in being able to share that wealth and abundance with others and teaching now how to overcome those money mindsets. Right. And it's a tough, it's an ongoing life journey to do that because, you know, some people think, or at least I did, well, if I change my money mindset to an abundant one, I'm good. And then something in life triggers something from the past and boom, I'm back, Mm, (laughs) falling back. And it's an ongoing journey. It's not a one and done. And I'm curious to know, because how old were you when you got to the U.S.? I was nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience with your family? The change in culture, because of course, Cuba, whole different ballgame from the U.S., and so many different facets. So what was your experience when it came to your parents, what you saw when they were adapting to a new financial system and navigating all that? What was your experience? What did you observe? I observed the concept of you have to work hard to make money. And that was another money mindset that I really had to overcome because it's false as well. But I saw a lot of that. Like my dad, my grandfather had a lunch truck business And he, three days after we got here from Cuba, he woke my dad up and he's like, let's go. I didn't bring you here to sit around. You're going to go to work and put him in the lunch truck with him. So a lunch truck requires you to wake up at around four in the morning so you can get all of the food fresh. And then you drive all day taking the meals to construction sites. 
and you drive all day to like four or five in the afternoon, then you get traffic on the way home. Then you have to clean the car deeply because you deal with food all day. So you have to clean down this car and by car, it's a truck. It's like a big silver truck. And my dad would do that all day. And then he'd be home like at four or five, sometimes six, grab me and take me to dance class. And then my homework had to be done. And then my mom also always had, was like working one or two jobs. And I saw them working so hard, but we never were wealthy. I was like, we're working so hard so we can have money, but where the hell's the money? Like, it's never enough money. We never have enough. It was like, if I wanted to get something, I was like, mommy, we don't have money for that. Then why are we working this hard? I observed a lot of hard, like you work hard to do well. And that's not to say that there aren't going to be moments in life when hard work is necessary. There are moments in life when phases, short phases, instances in which you have to dive deep into a project or a launch or whatever that requires hard work. But you cannot be in a state of working hard with the intention of that being how you get money because that's just never going to happen. Like I've never met somebody who works really, really hard at nine to five for another company and became a millionaire. I've, I haven't met one. I've seen people that have worked at nine to fives, use that money wisely to invest it, to get a property, to do something to make the money reproduce itself or launch their own businesses and then had their businesses run in a way that you can strategically align your automations so that you have like a natural flow of money through your business because maybe you love your nine to five and then you start to build wealth through multiple streams of income. I've never seen anybody work hard at one thing and become a millionaire. There's other factors that are required. And what really gets you to abundance, the abundance that we all want and deserve is working smart, not hard. That was an observation that I had when I was growing up that also created beliefs that I had to overcome because they're not empowering at all. It's completely disempowering to think you have to grind, 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 grind. All you're going to do is end up in burnout. And I did that. When I opened my first business, when I got out of high school, it's a dance studio that's still open today. But I always knew that media was going to be my career. Like I was freelance writing for newspapers and magazines when I was in high school. And I loved it. I remember I was transitioning from television to radio. So I was working both mornings and radio and evenings on television. I was still running my business and I decided to pursue my master's because you have to do all the things, all the things. I have to do all the things. Oh my God. All the degrees, all the certifications, all this stuff. And I burnt out. I ended up in a hospital from burnout. I was losing my hair. I was skipping periods. I had horrible, disgusting breakouts on my back. My hormones were completely out of whack. I was a disaster. And I was doing okay. I mean, I was making good money, but I certainly wasn't wealthy. I didn't feel wealthy. I didn't feel in my purpose. I felt exhausted is what I felt. That concept of like, you have to work hard. You have to grind. You have to hustle. I hate the word hustle. I think that's probably one of the words that I dislike the most is the word hustle. Because think about it. If you close your eyes, unless you're driving, if you're listening while you're driving, please don't close your eyes. <laughs> I have to say that. Close your eyes if you're in a safe place to close your eyes. Or even if you're driving, just envision without closing your eyes. What do you feel when I say the word? What do you feel and what do you see when I say the word hustler? Like Jen, share with me. What do you feel and see? Well, the first thing I thought of... <laughs> Just because it's just random. I thought of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and what are they thing. doing in the movie? Exactly. Yeah. 
dancing. They're, they're dancing. dancing they're like money. moving money. They're like, mm-hmm. they're hustling money around. They're like mm-hmm. taking money from this guy and doing that and a card over here. And what else do you think and feel when I say the word hustle? Well, hard work, mm-hmm. a little bit of risk, you know, mm-hmm. or I think hustle also for me has just been a negative connotation because it's the feeling that you have to, right? It's the feeling that you hustle is something that you have to. It's something that we see in this culture in the U.S. Yeah. And how does <laughs> like it feel? It, oh, it doesn't feel good. Now, if I tell you the word, so same thing, like take a deep breath, close your eyes. And now what do you see and feel when I say the word CEO? A lot better. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Like you envision someone who's like at the head of a table, directing other people, in charge, relaxed, comfortable because shit's working out. But when you approach your business as a side hustle, you treat it in that hustling space. You treat it, you approach it from that hustler mentality. I got to move this over here. I got to put this over there. I got to do this thing. I got to do the other thing. I got to see what I can finagle. I got to figure it out. Like, Whereas if you say, okay, I have this side gig, it's a thing I'm doing, but I'm going to approach that shit like I'm the CEO of it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have no clients right now, or even if you just have one, or even if you've made no sales, or even if you've only made one sale, I'm going to approach this like a CEO. It changes your mindset completely in how you treat your business. Completely. Yeah. Those words have so much power. Mm-hmm. When I have speaking engagements, I say speaking engagements. I don't say a speaking gig. Mm-hmm. Because that minimizes, in my eyes, what it is. Yes. So that definitely, I agree, just the words have power, even just what we tell ourselves. And that's something that I have had to work so hard on what I tell myself, because one of the things that I teach is I'm just giving compliments to ourselves. Looking in, in the mirror, it's hard to do. I still struggle, but I try to walk, walk the talk. Yeah. And it's because when you're speaking, because we tend, I know I'm hard on myself. You want to say I'm hard on myself. So I have to work on treating myself with kindness and really watch the words that I think, not just, I mean, I don't necessarily, yeah, I talk to myself sometimes, but what I think as well, because that has such an impact. Absolutely. For sure. So one of the things that I love, love, love about coaching in the space of mindset is the understanding that thoughts create emotions and emotions dictate action or inaction, both of which are equally powerful. And so for example, I love using this example because it's true in my house all the time. You do the laundry and the whole pile of clothes is just sitting there looking at you for like two days and you're just looking at it. And it's easy to think oh, now I have to fold all this damn laundry and all these clothes and oh, what a drag. And I just don't want to do it because I'm tired. And so what does that lead you to is like, I'll do it later. Or you do it because you must, but you do it con mala gana. Like you just mm-hmm. do it like, oh, this, this sucks. And then how do you feel? And you either don't do it or you do it con mala gana. And your day just kind of gets shitty because that's just the way you made yourself feel. Now, if you look at, the same pile of clothes that you still don't want to do because you're still tired, but the thoughts that you choose, instead of saying, oh, now I have to fold all these damn clothes and I just don't want to because I'm tired and this is such a drag. Instead, you choose the thoughts of, there's that pile of clothes right there. 
you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fold these clothes because I deserve to have the clothes in my closet and find that damn shirt when I want to wear it. I deserve to have an uncluttered bedroom. I deserve that. I deserve to just have everything organized and it feels good for me. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to fold the clothes. You fold it with a different vibe. And when you talk instead of, I don't want to do this because I'm so tired, you talk about, I'm going to do this because I deserve it. I deserve to have an uncluttered space and I deserve to be able to find the pants when I want to wear them. It changes your actions. So when you think about new chapters, for example, and you're like, man, I'm so scared I'm going to fail. The way that makes you feel that fear, it could potentially lead you to inaction if the thoughts rooting in it, the thoughts in which that fear is rooted is, I'm so afraid I'm going to fail versus, yeah, you might be afraid. That's okay. But your thoughts, you adjust them to empower you instead of saying, I'm so afraid I'm going to fail. You change that to, I'm so excited to see what could happen. Now your focus isn't on the failing. Your focus is on what could happen because you could fail, but you could also not fail. So where's your thought leading you to cause the emotion that'll lead to the action or the inaction? Is your thought, I'm excited to see what could happen or is your thought, I'm afraid that I'm going to fail? Because with your thought is, I'm afraid I'm going to fail, chances are you may not take the leap. But if your thought is about the same thing, I'm excited to see what could happen, you're so much more likely to take the leap and see what could happen. Whether that is to launch a business, to open up your heart to a new relationship, to quit your job, whatever it is, to invest in the stock market, to try to buy your first property or your second or your fifth. I'm excited to see what could happen. Right. Think about how that feels. Absolutely. And it is something we need to take time to do because I think we're just so stuck in the day to day and marking off the checklist, you know, the, what's on our list, you know, marking it off that we just become so robotic in life that we don't take that time. And I've been guilty of that. And there was a guest that I had several years ago. Her name is Rachel Luna. I don't know if you know her. And one of the things that she said, Really, to this day, I have to remind myself when I get in that stuck in that rut is when we feel like we don't have any time to just do what you just say, because sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'll think about that later. She said, if I take the time I need, I will get the time I want. Mm. And so that has always stuck with me. And each time I find myself in a spot of okay, I know I need to do this, but I don't have time to do it. I think about that quote or the affirmation, however you want to call it, because I just thought it was just so powerful because it's just, it shifts. It shifts your mind instantly to take care of yourself. I love that this has become a coaching, <laughs> a little bit of a coaching session, but I do want to get back to you were sharing that you were working really hard. You found yourself in the hospital. Now, take us back to that. It Was that the shifting moment for you where you changed how you were doing things and really shifted your life? So take us a little bit back to that was the day or when was that shift for you? A hundred percent. That was a catalyst. Because as I was sitting there, I remember even thinking to myself, like, why am I even doing all this? Like, why am I working this hard? If I'm not taking the time to, I wasn't taking vacations or doing any of that. I was just like, work, 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 do, 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 do. There was no being. 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? And why am I doing it like this? And it wasn't an easy transition. It took me years to, first of all, heal my money mindset, understand why I was working that hard, understand why I wasn't working, understand the new way of working better, smarter, and then applying it and creating a new blueprint for my life. And that required receiving coaching. That required also some therapy for sure. I started to discover more deeply the concepts of self-care before that was a trendy term. It's a trendy term now, but it wasn't when I was in my 20s. And I realized how our spiritual connection is the most important thing. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. How our physical well-being is directly attached to how much money we make, how our thoughts and our mental health are directly connected to how much money we make, our mindset and beliefs the structures that we were born into by no choice of ours and the beliefs that our parents gave us that almost always are disempowering, but they gave them to us because it's the best that they had and with the best intentions. And we receive them with the best intentions to do the best. But a lot of the times they suck, especially in La Comunidad Latina, because we all come from some sort of poverty. All of us, even if you're like second generation American, you know, whatever your grandma and your great grandma had to struggle for and through in your country. You know what I'm saying? So there are these roots of scarcity in La Comunidad Latina. There are roots there of scarcity mindset that still exist amongst most of us. Now, that's not a bad thing in the sense of nobody, like our families and our ancestors didn't give us that to screw us over. It's just, what we have, right? Like it's just how we were raised. And then we came here to struggle and work hard to make a penny so that our kids could have something better. That's the majority of our mindset. So in that moment, when I'm in this hospital and I'm, I'm feeling so burnt out and the, and the time passes and I'm like overcoming these mindsets and these beliefs and realizing that while they sound beautiful and they sound like, oh yeah, you have to work hard and all these things, like they really feed into your ego. They don't help you. Definitely, that was the catalyst where I reevaluated my whole life. In fact, one of my signature coaching programs is the 3R system. It's what I created for myself with mentors and support and coaches and relearning life. It's to reevaluate, restructure, and reset. So I reevaluated what was working for me, what wasn't working for me, all the beliefs that I could put my finger on. I was like, where did that belief come from? Why do I do that? Is it working for me? Is it not working for me? How do I get rid of it if it's not working for me? What do I even want to replace it with? you know, that is going to work for me. You do that with your beliefs. You could do that with your friendships, your relationships, your business, everything. Reevaluate. Once you've reevaluated, you're going to restructure. When you restructure, that means you're going to throw out whatever doesn't serve you. So you can make room. You can make space for new beliefs, for new relationships, for new friendships, for new business proposals, for new clients, whatever it is that you're running the three R's with. And then once you've restructured, once you've made space, you've gotten rid of what doesn't work, you're going to reset. You're going to start by creating sustainable systems that are going to lead you to a blueprint that's customized for your success with less stress. And that's what I learned in those years of readjusting my life is how to create a blueprint for success with less stress. 
And when you walk yourself through the three R's, which is one of the things that I do with my clients in coaching, it's how do you need to build your blueprint for success with less stress? When you are reevaluating and restructuring and resetting, only you know that. Only you know what is or isn't working if you're honest with yourself, if you're kind in the process of discovery. And only you know how and where to make the space to allow more greatness into your life. And only you know what kind of sustainable systems you need to be able to reset and start on this new path, no looking back. The systems that are sustainable for a mom of two are different than the systems that are sustainable for a mom of one or for a woman with no kids. The systems that are sustainable for a mom of two with the support of grandma and a husband is different than a mom of two with the support of only grandma or only a husband or no support. So it's for you. And I've seen a lot of the time, as I mentioned, for example, the mom situation that we already have decided, oh, this is so hard because I'm a mom. Or like, oh, this is so hard because I'm broke. Or, oh, this is so hard because I don't have anybody to support me. So you've already decided that. But is it really? Is it impossible? Okay, how can you be creative in that space? How can you be saying geniosa? Come up with something. Be creative. How can you find a way around what you already believe is hard? How can you make it easier? And I challenge you to think about that. When you find yourself stuck with something that you feel is out of your control, ask yourself, how can I make this easier? How can I get creative with this obstacle? And you're going to find something amazing every time, guaranteed. Yeah, those are some fantastic questions. And I'm also curious too, do you see hesitancy amongst our community, our Latino community to receive services like life coaching? All the time. I had a feeling because just like when we come to the U.S., there's things like navigating the financial system, credit. Now it's different. But when I grew up, you just had cash. What was this? These credit cards? What? (laughs) It just wasn't a thing that you did or very few people. The people that had access and maybe had more money had access to these services. So it's just You come to the U.S. and maybe someone says a life coach. What is that? And they do what? (laughs) So what kind of hesitancy do you see from our community? There's quite a bit. For example, first of all, there's hesitancy in general with life coaching because a lot of people don't understand still what life coaching is. It's a relatively, relatively new industry or relatively new practice. And a lot of people confuse life coaching with advising. A life coach will never tell you what to do, ever. If you have a coach right now and that coach is telling you what to do. They're not a coach. (laughs) That's not a coach. That's an advisor. Absolutely. When it comes to coaching, a coach who's properly trained is going to help you to dive deep into your questions, your beliefs, and your depth as a person. And when you get in there, you're going to uncover and discover your own path because it's going to come from you. I always like to clarify that because there's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of people that are coaching. And I say that with air quotes that are really advisors. But with that said, I think that part of the hesitancy is because the concept of what a coach does is still misunderstood by a lot of people. And because of that, because you think that a coach is just going to tell you how to solve your problems and tell you what to do in our Latino community, que nosotros no creemos que lo sabemos todo. Like, I don't need some girl to tell me what to do. I don't need this Gigi chick that I heard on the podcast to tell me how to solve my problem. What does she know about my problems? What does she know about what it's like to be me, to come here and tell me 
what I need to do. But we have that tendency of, mm-hmm. I will do it. We're independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But independence has nothing to do with asking for support. It's not even help. It's support. Right. And I also feel that especially in our Latino communities, we like to wear a badge of our hardship. We take pride in our hardships. I did that. I overcame this and that and the other. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be proud of the things we've overcome. This is important. But when you wear it as a badge, it weighs so heavy that you can't see or that it makes it more difficult to see that you can live free of that weight. That's it. You overcame that. Yeah, déjalo ahí. Let's look at the light. Let's look at something better. And then I also feel that because we wear that badge and like we're just so proud of all that we can do, our Latino community struggle asking for help. Our Latino community feels that if you have to, and it happens even with therapy, which is so important. Like I tell a Latino person, maybe not my age, but just slightly older, you tell them like, oh, you should see a therapist. What? These two things are unrelated because asking for support is weakness. Mm-hmm. And it's like these huge spectrums, like, oh, going to a therapist, eh, porque tú estás loca. It's because you're crazy. No, that's not it. A mí no me hace falta que me den pastilla. Who said anything about empatillante? <laughs> Go talk to a professional. And there's like these blocks with that. And it's the same with coaching. Asking somebody to support you in the process of growth in a transition of transformation is like, I can figure it out. I don't need anybody to support me. You know what I'm saying? Like we struggle with that. And also coaching ain't cheap because it's powerful and it's important and it's not cheap. Right. And a lot of people still suffer from a scarcity mindset that it's like, I'm not going to pay someone to tell me what to do. Like, I'm not going to pay someone to help me figure anything out. And it's like, do one coaching session, just one with a good coach. You do one deep dive coaching session with a good coach and you will have a transformation that'll make you realize how important it is to have a mirror or a sounding board that helps you to hear yourself and helps you to spot your own bullshit because we're all full of our own bullshit and we can't call ourselves out on it because we're in it. Right. But when somebody says, you know, I've heard you say this same thing multiple times in this conversation. Where is that rooted? I've heard you repeat multiple times this, that, or the other. Where does that come from? And you start digging into that, you're going to find possibly something kind of stinky and ugly down there that you need to take out. No one's going to do that. You can't do that for yourself because most of the time we are not aware of our habitual behaviors and our habitual thoughts. But I can tell you right now, I guarantee you, if we take a moment and I tell you, Jen, where do you see patterns in your life? You're going to find at least one. We all have patterns. Mm -hmm. Some patterns are good. Some patterns are bad. Really bad. Patterns of who you date. You blame all men suck. Oh, all men are liars. All men are cheaters. No, you're picking liars and cheaters. Why? Where's the pattern there? Let's dig into that because the only common denominator here is you. Mm -hmm. Or I always get fired from my positions. Or they never appreciate me at work. Whatever you find a pattern in that always cyclically continues to happen over and over and over again, there's a mindset thing there that needs to be uncovered that if you have a proper coach with you, you can break that pattern. Absolutely. But if you don't, you sometimes you don't see it unless you have somebody point it out and say, do you realize this? Look what I just saw. What about you? What do you think about that? I just see this continuously 
because I'm looking at it from the outside and I'm objective. What do you see when I point that out in these patterns in your life? What do you think that means? How do we dive into that? This is the power of having a coach. Right. No, absolutely. There is so much that we can talk about, Gigi, because today we've had a coaching session. You've asked some really powerful questions that we can ask ourselves. And I hope you listening that you take a moment to just re-listen and pause and write those questions down and really ask those. And to just wrap this up, Gigi, when it comes to our money mindset for the person listening right now, I know you've asked a lot of powerful questions that we can ask ourselves, but what is one key question that maybe we can ask ourselves to help us at least take that first step in shifting our scarcity mindset to an abundant one? There's a really fun exercise that I would like to share because there isn't just one. I mean, there is one question you can start with, but it's best in the exercise. So you're going to set a timer for three minutes on your phone. And then you're going to put your phone away just let the timer beep so you don't get distracted. Grab a piece of paper and a pen and you're just going to like write. Don't think about what you're writing. Don't read what you're writing. Don't worry about if your handwriting is pretty or not. Like just write everything, write everything that comes to your mind. And the question is, how do I feel about money? Write everything. And after you're done writing for three whole minutes, not two and a half, not one, not three and a half minutes, three minutes. When the timer goes off, you put your pen down and you're going to read what you wrote. And then when you see how you feel, see what the words are, you're not answering, why do I feel this about money? So when you're writing, all you're going to put is all the ways you feel about money. You might find that you feel scared, that you feel anxious, that you feel stressed. You might find that you feel excited, that you feel connected to money. I don't know, whatever you find. Dive into that and after the three minutes are up where you see that the longer you write, the deeper you're going to get into how you feel about money. Pinpoint that. What did you find in there? Once you discover what you feel about money, then you can start to dig and say, why do I feel that way? How do I change that feeling? Or how do I make that feeling work for me? Because some feelings might be good. So how do you lean on those? Let those support you. And then the ones that are not so good, like if you have words in there, like I feel anxious about money or I feel like desperate about money or I've, why? And let's dig into those. And how do we adjust those feelings? Because that's disempowering. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite exercises. How do you feel? That's the place to start. Absolutely. And for those listening, she said, right. And I say that because I've been one of those people that have had a resistance to writing (laughs) because I'm like, I'll just think about it. No, 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 no. Write it. With writing, it gives you clarity and it allows you to put things on paper and just kind of, if there's worries and everything, you take that weight off your shoulders. So definitely do that exercise that JG described and write. Like I'm telling you from experience... (laughs) That I've been the one resistance and one and doing these type of exercise because I'll, I'll just think about it. Uh-uh, just write. Write it on a paper with a pen or a pencil. Do not type it. Mm, Do not text yes. it. Write it with a pen and a paper. And that too. 
Thank you so much, Gigi. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that you joined us and thank you for your time. Absolutely. It's so much fun to be here with you. My hopes for you today is that not only you gained a lot from this conversation with Gigi and the powerful lessons she shared with us, but I hope that you implement and take some time and take some action and do a more reflection, re-listen to the episode if you need to, and really dig in because there's a lot of things that she shared that maybe you might not have an aha moment right away, right? You may have aha moments with some things, but not all of the things. And I think if you take some time to really listen to the episode again, or just take some notes and reflect on those notes, you're going to get so much out of it. Of course, on this podcast and in my book, I talk a lot about how foundational our mindset is to what I call our money headquarters. And Gigi, as you heard, took it to a whole new level with all her examples and explanations in her tips about our mindset and how that really impacts and what we can do to shift really what we're thinking. And I hope that you really take some time in the next 24 hours. I wouldn't wait more than 24 hours or maybe 48. But as long as you do it, if you take some time to do that writing exercise she shared, because you know that the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So give it a go, will you? In fact, email me, message me on Instagram or anywhere that you're connected with me when you do and let me know what you took away from it. You can connect and learn more about Gigi over at seizinghappy.com. Of course, as always, we link that up in the show notes. Now, if you love this episode and this conversation, I would love it if you can do two simple things. And those simple things are one, share this episode with a friend, family member, or a coworker. And number two, review. You can leave a written review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Or on Spotify, you can rate us by giving us the stars that you deem we deserve. Why do I ask for this? Why do I ask for your review and to give us a rating? Well, I don't know about you, but I personally look at reviews to help me determine whether I buy something or really decide to listen to a podcast, a new podcast that I don't know much about. I really look at those reviews to really help me make that decision. And these reviews, these ratings, not only help grow the show, because when someone sees a review and then from there they start listening, that's helping growing the show. But what mostly matters to you and is important to you is that it helps us to continue to bring quality guests and even bigger guests. I mean, I would love, love to bring in, we've had some really quote unquote, celebrity guests, a few of them. And I want to bring more. And how do I bring more of those is to have that proof or those reviews that show people love the show and listen to it and it's legit. So because when I'm asked to be on a podcast, I do my due diligence. Guests want to know that the show that they're thinking or even considering being a guest on is a quality show. 
And we do make it easy for you in terms of reviewing by going to the resources section of today's episode, and that will guide you as to where and how you can review. Next week, we will meet Ana Zamora, una colombiana, who will be sharing with us some of the insight of the financial challenges the LGBTQ plus community faces. Bueno, pues, that is everything. I appreciate you being here, supporting this show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 322. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 322. Remember, being the reina of your money starts at this very moment simply by claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.